from Kurtco Media. Coming up on the show. There is just something that is so pure about showing up in any space and bringing all of who you are to that space, no matter what it looks like around you. And that's something that is really important to me. And it's and it's it's not something I think about doing. It's just something that happens because, you know, it's just me. That's luxury brand leader and world traveler, Crystal Venice Thomas. I'm Bruce Wallen, and this is Travel That Matters. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Travel That Matters. This is the podcast where we explore the world's most exceptional and meaningful travel experiences, and we meet some of the fascinating people who make them possible. My guest today is someone who I was fascinated with the moment I met her. Her name is Crystal Venice Thomas. I call her the punk rocker of luxury travel. More on that later. But let's just say she is a super cool person and one of the top thought leaders in the travel industry. She's currently the vice president of luxury and lifestyle brands for Hyatt. And in that position, she really has what I would say a bird's eye view of what's happening in travel around the world. Everything from, you know, emerging destinations to changing perspectives on on what it means to experience a destination. Crystal is also a huge advocate for diversity in travel, not just in terms of the industry and the, and the workforce, but also in the diversity of, of experience and what that means for us as travelers. Not surprisingly, Crystal is quite a traveler herself. She's lived all over the U.S. and in, in different countries around the world. And we're going to talk to her about how those experiences have helped her become one of the most creative people in travel. Those are my words, not hers, but she is definitely one of the most creative people in travel. We're also going to hear about her very spontaneous style of travel, her her thoughts on up-and-coming destinations around the globe, why a diversity of perspectives is making the world a better place to travel, and, of course, why travel matters in the first place. Crystal is a ton of fun, so sit back, enjoy my conversation with her, and then be sure to stick around to hear my take on the importance of her particular style of travel. But for now, here's Hyatt Exec and luxury travel leader, Crystal Venice Thomas. Hello, Crystal. Thank you so much for joining us today on Travel That Matters. Welcome to the show. Hey, Bruce. Thank you. Happy to be here. So we are here to talk about travel, of course. And you are a travel person through and through. I know you went to you know, Cornell Hotel School. You, you've worked at W. You're now at Hyatt. But I want to hear first, you also did a stint at Beats by Dre, where, from what I understand, you were working with athletes like Serena and LeBron and traveling around with them. Tell me a little bit about what what that was like. You know, that was definitely an interesting transition, leaving the world of hospitality and joining the likes of Beats and, and Apple. So if you follow Beats at all, you know, not only is it a music company, it's super integrated into the culture and sports is a huge lane for the brand. And so my role was really just connecting with the athletes that were our brand ambassadors and creating content around them. I joke sometimes that my role as a brand lead there was making commercials for a living, which was fun. <laughs> but that in, that included, you know, I went from traveling around the world to traveling to West Palm Beach, where Serena is, or to Boston, where Tom Brady was. 
So Tom Brady, Serena, was. am I right in that LeBron was another one of the athletes there? LeBron, yeah, for sure. He was one of, he's been a beats. The three top people in their respective sports. Yeah. Okay, so you left and you came back to the travel industry. So obviously there was something that you missed from this world. So what kind of prompted that for to you to come back to travel? I did. You know, it, it's interesting. I wasn't looking necessarily to come back. You mentioned W. So I worked for Starwood when it existed for most of my early hospitality career, about a decade. And before I moved to Beats, I was living abroad and I took a bit of a break traveling around the world and landed at Beats just really in search of my passions, actually. Transition back to hospitality. It's something that I wasn't sure I was going to do again, because for me, I was so interested in, at the time, W was this really great brand that played in so many spaces like fashion, design, and music. And those were spaces that I was personally passionate about. And I couldn't imagine that there was another brand within hospitality with the scale that would allow me to travel and still keep me connected to those things. So when I left W, I was kind of like, well, this is probably it because where else am I going to go and kind of get these experiences and still travel the world? And then an opportunity came knocking. I got a couple emails from a recruiter about a Hyatt role, which I ignored uh, initially. This was following the acquisition of Two Roads, which included Thompson Hotels, Alila, and some really cool brands in that lifestyle and luxury space. And it just started to excite me a little bit, the opportunity to put my fingerprint on, you know, Thompson Hotels specifically, because it was still a, a growing brand. And then the opportunity to launch a new brand. So we just launched this brand called Caption by Hyatt, but at the time it was called Brand X. So the idea that was most compelling to me was, wait, I get to launch a brand and create and think of what it might look, feel, and sound like from scratch, when will I get another opportunity to do that? And that's ultimately what brought me back to the world of hospitality. So before all this happened, you took some time to live abroad, travel abroad, take some time off. Like, How has that shaped you and, and your perspectives and, and, and how you do your job now at Hyatt? Oh, man, incredibly. One, I was on a global team in New York, having had no global experience beyond traveling globally. And so there's one thing to say that you're part of a global organization. But as we know, many global organizations are based in the U.S. or based in where they are. And so it was really important to me to get an experience that could inform my actual global purview. And so um, I raised my hand early on to, to live and work abroad. And so I ended up living in Brussels for three years, overseeing the EMI region, Europe, Africa, and the Middle East for our lifestyle and luxury brands. And that had an incredible experience for me because the nuance first of all, in Europe, of going from country to country and having a different language, a different religion, a different culture completely just with an hour's flight. Whereas, you know, in the U.S., we can fly five and a half, six hours and still be in the same country, same language. Yes, different cultural nuance between states, right? But ultimately the same government, the same culture in a way. And knowing and understanding the nuances just in that region in Europe really helped inform how I thought and saw the world because we're not monolithic as people, obviously, right? And so there's so many different experiences, so many different points of view that 
ended up informing my work in a, in a much more substantive way, I think. So I was able to look at a project or a campaign and say, hmm, I don't know if that might work in Italy, or I don't know if that might work in Spain for this reason. You brought up the languages too. You and I actually met at ILTM in Cannes, where every year I feel like the dumb American because everybody else is just jumping, you know, between five different languages and everything like that. And I'm, you know, I speak a language and a half basically, but, uh, you know, I'm working on it. But <laughs> by the way, a quick aside, I went, when I'm, I'm talking to the audience now, when I met Crystal, it was at this elegant affair up on a rooftop. It was a, a very formal lunch, you know, overlooking the Mediterranean and Cannes and, and just beautiful, you know, champagne and everybody's dressed to the nines. And there's one woman there who's wearing, you know, like a leather jacket, a punk rock t-shirt and, and ripped jeans. And I'm thinking, okay, she is cool. I don't know who she is, but I, she is very cool. <laughs> then the funny thing, it, it turns out you're running the event. It's your event. You're putting the whole thing on. And so I just like, I, at that moment, I was like, I have to have her on draft. Oh, that's <laughs> so sweet. That's amazing. Bruce, I love hearing that because there is just something that is so pure about showing up in any space and bringing all of who you are to that space, no matter what it looks like around you. And that's something that is really important to me. And it's, and it's, it's not something I think about doing. It's just something that happens because, you know, it's just me. I'm like, I look cute. I'm going to wear this out here. And then <laughs> I'm going to welcome this whole group in Cannes, one of my favorite places that I've been to several times. And I love that, although we're obviously very different, I was able to inspire that in you and almost give you permission to to show up as you are. So I thank you for sharing that. I, I really love that. Thank you for that. I, I am a Californian at heart, so I, I am usually underdressed. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, we like to call that casual chic out here. <laughs> what about like when you're traveling for fun? Like where what kind of traveler are you? Where do you like to go? What like how how do you approach travel? Oh, man. Um, it depends, right? I'm not the same person on every trip. And I think like most of, you know, most travelers, travelers might change how they roll depending on where they're going, and what the occasion is. But I'd say the way I approach all leisure travel for me is just I don't like to plan, Bruce, which, you know, I, I do a lot of that in my own job where we got to put plans together. And when I'm traveling, I am not that person who has an agenda ready. My favorite way to travel is to show up and figure out <laughs> what to do when I get there. Now, that might sometimes prohibit me from going to the best places because they've been reserved for however long. But at the same time, sometimes I'm like, ah, I don't know if I really want to do that and be where everybody else has been. And so I like showing up and just walking around. Usually when I travel, the first thing I do is walk around aimlessly not knowing where to go. I just get a sense of the neighborhood. I try to be in a, a good location at least. That's the about the extent of the research. I, I make sure I'm staying at a, a bomb hotel. But beyond that, I start walking around, figuring out the lay of the land and just seeing what happens on that first day. And then, you know, having a conversation with people who are from there and seeing, you know, what what's worth seeing. What do you do on a regular basis? Okay, I just want to say that I want to travel with you because I, that is that is exactly <laughs> I, honestly like you just said exactly the way I, I mean yeah. I like to just kind of not have a, a great plan. Very important that where you're staying is is a good location. That like that's the one thing I totally agree that you want to identify up up front, and then you just go out and explore. I actually 
<laughs> I just got back. I did a random road trip up into the Sierra Madres in, in Mexico this weekend solo. Oh, wow. My wife and, and youngest daughter were out of town, and I just kind of drove up into the mountains and figured it out as I went. And I, I had an amazing solo time. I was like, you know, riding ATVs up to, to the top of these peaks and tasting marijuana infused ricea somewhere it was uh, it was it was that's awesome. experience yeah i yeah. mean that's the best because like to me i love solo travel because there are some things that you get to do and experience that you likely wouldn't if you were with a group or um, a partner and and so it allows you that flexibility to really see what's out there and try some new stuff and not be judged for it I'm sure I will be judged for my marijuana infused Ricea, <laughs> but uh, by the way, Ricea is kind of a great new spirit. I know that you are a a wine and and whiskey connoisseur. Ricea is very interesting. It's like the kind of the new the new mezcal tequila uh, buzz here. Ooh. Quite good. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to hear Crystal Venice Thomas's favorite spots for freeform travel. Close your eyes and picture this. A new year of exploration with Qatar Airways. 2024 is not just another year. It's your canvas on which to paint memories around the globe. From the bustling streets of Thailand to the untamed beauty of Nairobi, the urban elegance of Singapore, and the peaceful shores of Bali, our world is rich with destinations waiting to be discovered. Every journey tells a story, and with over 170 destinations in our network, your story is just waiting to unfold. Planning your next chapter is simple with our intuitive website and mobile app. And rest assured, the price you see is the price you pay. No hidden fees. Where will your story take you next? Begin at QatarAirways.com. That's Q-A-T-A-R Airways.com. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs. Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs, we hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen. Give us an example of, of, you know, you said you're not a planner, you're, you, you like to just go and experience a place. Like, give us an example of that, like when you went somewhere and it was just like, it just encapsulated everything that you love about travel. One of my favorite stories is actually in Mexico, in the most unlikely of places, Cancun, which is not my first destination. I was initially supposed to go to Cabo and then anyway, some last minute stuff happened and I ended up in Cancun. And I was at this restaurant that was like, okay, 
it was a taco restaurant, of course, but like it was like taco and sushi, which was interesting that I happened upon. But I was always scared. I was starving. So I was like, I got to go in somewhere. And there were a lot of people in there. So I figured it was fine. And then it looked like a fair bit amount of locals, which was also a good sign. So I try to go where I don't see too many people who look like me or people I see a lot at home. And it ended up being perfect. So I was by myself and this guy came over and he started talking to me Ask me where I was from. I mean, I kind of stick out like a sore thumb normally, um, especially traveling alone. He's like, you're American. Where are you from? Um, and he's like, by the way, I'm not hitting on you. I know Americans like to think every guy that comes up to them is hitting on them. I was like, no, 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 it's fine. And then he brought over his wife, his brother. And so I started talking with them. And I was with them for about a couple hours. Turns out he was friends with the owner there. So I ended up eating some of the best selections in the restaurant. And then he said, so what are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, I don't know, because Bruce, I don't plan. So (laughs) he's like, well, if you're free in the morning, stop by the dock at around, you know, 7 a.m. I was like, that's a little too early for me, sir. So um, I'm not doing that. He's like, "Okay, nine. Does nine work? I was like, fine, I can make that happen. So I show up to this dock. And he owns one of the top catamaran businesses there. And so he had a space for me on one of his catamaran. So I ended up riding on this catamaran, whale watching, champagne, free food all day. And it was just the most spectacular day that couldn't have happened had I planned it. Yeah, if you had already been booked for the, you know, cenote tour that morning, you wouldn't have been able to do all that. Exactly. And I think about like if I were with someone else, that guy might not have even come over to me and, you know, asked me what was happening or why I was there. What about what's one of your favorite spots to do to to have an experience like that to just go in and experience a city or experience a destination? Barcelona, over and over again. Every time I go, I just learned something new and I know the city pretty well now, but when I just, it's such a place where you can just walk around aimlessly and discover something that's different, new, a new shop. That's just such a great place that has varied experiences. You got, you, if you walk far enough, you know, past Barceloneta, you have the water and the beach experience. You walk into Bourne, you got the more urban insular, um, more historical. And then you walk, you know, to Pase de Gracia and you have all the luxury, you know, the Fifth Avenue of Barcelona that just, gives you a wealth of different ways to experience the city. What about you have, you know, your position at Hyatt, I think you have kind of an interesting bird's eye view of, of emerging markets, destinations, things like that. What, like, what are you seeing post pandemic? Like, are, are there new hotspots? Are there new areas of focus for you guys? Like places that might be primed for some kind of renaissance? The pandemic, you're right, brought out a different trends in travel. And the first one, when travel started again, as you probably know, was just drive destinations, right? So we saw a lot of upticks in in places like, if you think about California, especially like San Diego, people just driving from LA, just going down um, some Oceanside, which is just north of San Diego and south of LA, is coming up. We have two a great dual project there, the Seabird and Mission Pacific, that is just in this destination that I live in LA and I drove down there and I was like, well, I didn't even know this was here. And it feels like you're in a different world. And it was only an hour away, hour and a half away. And so seeing that, and we saw that in the Midwest too, people were driving to destinations like Nashville, Memphis. You're looking at people also moving out of the center of city. So you got a lot of folks who exited from New York City 
moving to Jersey, Connecticut, but even going further south, like Charleston. And so we're seeing a lot of development in markets that were previously secondary, but still have the spirit and heart and energy of those major metropolitan cities. And so I think the travel is going to follow where folks are moving to and, and starting to explore a bit more. Nashville has moved up. It's probably one of the hottest cities right now in terms of one, a lot of companies are moving their headquarters there. People are you know, transitioning there from their bigger cities um, because it's a better cost of living. And they've got some great energy and a great music scene. That's kind of some of what we're seeing, at least when I think about within the U.S. So what about internationally? Are there are there areas of the world, you know, specific countries, regions, whatever it is that you see as kind of being a new new hotspot? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, especially in Europe, as we um, think about Vienna, that is such a great destination that I think has always historically been definitely more top tier. You know, it's the city of Mozart, but we're seeing that as the new Berlin, right? Like what Berlin was, this cool kind of hipster place with good music and culture. Vienna has caught up exponentially. And that is the place now where I think is going to be the next kind of cool hotspot. We're opening a Thompson Vienna there. That's the, the next Thompson in Europe after Madrid opens. And Madrid as well. That's another destination where, you know, Barcelona, Madrid, very different destinations. But Madrid has become that hotspot too that you have a lot of development happening in that market. There's some activity happening in these other cities that were largely maybe not necessarily secondary, but you went there for a specific purpose or cultural elements. And now people are heading to those types of destinations to have fun and to see a little bit more of the the grittiness of a city that you might not have uncovered before. I think you nailed it on the head. I I was recently in it. I actually went to Madrid after after ILTM and it's definitely, definitely having a moment right now. I mean, there's a lot going on. New hotel. That was a city that didn't really have the same level of hotels as, say, at, you know, London or Paris or or whatnot. That's right. They do now, and and with the Thompson coming in, and and Vienna too, Austria, another one of my favorite places. Vienna has, I think, there's a new Rosewood coming in. There's there's a few new hotels opening up there. I I totally agree with you that that city is primed primed to become like a a primary destination in in Europe. One hundred percent. And it's so funny because Vienna, also one of my favorite destinations in Austria for skiing and otherwise. But Vienna, I always saw as like one of the cleanest cities ever. I would just walk around and I'm like, how do they keep these buildings so white? How are the streets so clean? What is happening here? I just love how they can maintain the charm and and um, really the beauty of that city and still now add a little bit more to the vibe incredibly clean and and very environmentally progressive Austria that it it is they they do a very good job with that what about you mentioned Vienna and Madrid the Thompsons what are some of the you tell us a bit about the new brand that you're launching and then also kind of what specific hotels and resorts you're you're most excited about yeah, Caption by Hyatt. We're really excited about this one. Our first one opens in Memphis in June, actually. So it's been an interesting, fascinating, and challenging process in a lot of ways because we launched it to the development community right before the pandemic started. So talk about a time to to launch a brand. So it's funny to say we we're launching it when it's been two years in the making now, but we're excited to put a new product offering on the market. And this sits in that select and lifestyle space. So um, really it's meant to be a brand that is accessible, has an accessible price point, 
and an amazing experience in the social spaces. So we have this concept that we worked on with Danny Meyer and the Union Square Hospitality Group, and it's called Talk Shop. And it's really meant to be the space that has, you know, fast, casual, really good locally inspired foods and menu. And what is really pivotal to this brand is just the inclusion in the community. And for me, one of the lines that I use is that we don't want to just come and expand this brand and be in a community. We want to we be part of it. And so key to this brand, Captioned by Hyatt, is creating experiences of authenticity. So Bruce, you can come in as casual as you are from California and still feel like you belong and sit across from somebody who's fancy and everybody will be able to fit in there together. We have a, a huge effort in ensuring that you know the people we hire, the vendors we work with are people of color and people who represent the communities that we're in. So really wanting to share with the world this brand that is so really intense on ensuring that we can be a vehicle for how we can create more inclusive experiences in the travel world. That's like there is another subject that you do have a bird's eye view of, and that is the kind of inclusion and diversity in travel, something that has, has, you know, received a lot of attention lately. Like what changes are you seeing on that front and, and how, how will those changes kind of affect the future of travel for everybody? You know, diversity, equity, inclusion is certainly a, a hot topic at the moment across every industry. And travel being the industry that it is should be the most inclusive. And we know that historically it hasn't always been. And so what we're seeing now, I think, is a more concerted effort to even from a marketing perspective, have more inclusive imagery and showcasing that, you know, the family, multi-generational family doesn't look one way. It looks different ways. You see marketing materials now that are a bit more reflective of the world as we see it. So that's a good step forward. What we still need to push on is um, ensuring that even from a representation level within the industry that we are, the leaders of the industry can also reflect the world that we live in. And I, you know, I, I recognize my place in it being, you know, I'm a black woman who I don't see a lot of me in the rooms that I'm in when I'm sitting with owners and customers and some of my own colleagues in the industry. And so I think we still need to push. And I think that starts with education. A lot of folks don't know that hospitality is an industry you can go in and, and, and particularly folks of color and not be relegated to just the service roles, right? So there are functions within hospitality that extend beyond just being in that role. There's marketing, there's digital, there's communications, there's sales. There are so many different ways that we can be represented. And I want us to see a little more work in that front so that folks, when they travel and start investing in our brands and companies, no matter which company, they can know that the marketing and the experiences are being developed by a better representation of the world and the diversity that exists within the world. And how do you see those experiences changing, you know, for the traveler? Because it, it, it is, you know, bringing a more diverse perspective to the creation of those experiences, to the creation of those hotels. How does that then impact the end experience for, for the traveler? 
Yeah, I mean, look, Caption by Hyatt is, is going to be a great example, I think, where we're literally, you know, there's a beer garden that's going to be in Memphis, and we're getting Black-owned breweries to be part of that experience for us. And what better way to represent the community? If you know the city of Memphis, it is very diverse. And so we want to make sure that we're showcasing that diversity, too. And so when you're a guest walking into one of our hotels, and I think this should be across the travel landscape by the way, you should feel that the experience that you're getting is reflective of the community you're in. And that means that the people working there, the colleagues should reflect that community. That means the vendors that and suppliers that we're investing in to provide you an experience is providing an experience that's authentic because they're from that community. You know, I think historically we've had travel experiences. There's nothing worse for me as a traveler than going to a hotel in a city that feels like I'm somewhere else. And this often happens with American brands where I can go to, you know, I won't name what brand, but, you know, if I go to a hotel in Barcelona and it feels like I'm in New York, to me, that is a mistake. And, you know, I think we're moving now towards a world, especially if we're trying to be authentic and intentional, where we need to make sure that our practices and our experiences are more reflective of of where we are. Because that that just that's what travelers are looking for anywhere. Now, I will say there's nothing against folks traveling and wanting to be in a place that's familiar. But for those of us who do want to see more of the world as it is, then we're making some strides to do a better job of that. That's fantastic. I, w- what else are you kind of most excited about or optimistic about with the future future of travel, the future of, of the work that you do? I'm excited about doing new things and playing in new spaces. I was just sharing with our teams the other day, you know, travel was hit, I'd say the hardest, but I don't want to be corrected on that. But it was one of the hardest hit when the pandemic started. And the last couple of years, we've been in this reactive mode, right? Like just trying to keep our colleagues engaged, trying to make sure that we're able to keep our hotels open and still cater to our guests. And now we're in a space where we can start being creative again and more proactive because one, we've all, I think, reprioritized what's important as people, as leaders, as you know, you see the work-life balance has changed, um, especially with the ability for people to work remotely now. That flexibility, I think, is extending into the work where we're giving ourselves more permission to try some new stuff. And that is what's most exciting. I think travel industry, not, not that we've been you know, risk averse, but I think we're often more reactive when it comes to trying new stuff. But I think that's changing, man. We're looking at meta, we're looking at NFTs, we're looking at more innovative um, spaces to be able to meet our guests where they are and be thoughtful about how we engage them in new and cool ways. Who would have thought, Bruce, that the QR code was going to be something that really took off and now something that we likely can't take away, right? And so seeing Are things you sure like can't that. Have it again? <laughs> I mean, it's it's now you see the first thing people do when they walk into a place is they open up their phones and they're trying to scan something. I've seen people try to scan things that aren't QR codes just because they say the little <laughs> the little bar. So it's no, I don't think it's going away, Bruce. Uh if anything, we're just gonna replace it with a bigger version of it. I want the real menus back. That's the only. Well, those are those are coming back. I, I do think there's going to you're going to have to do both because we also have a, a generation coming up now that 
does everything on their phone. You know, I think that's influencing the way we all move and we realize the the access that it gives us. And in luxury, it used to be about, you know, the tactile, how how beautiful the leather was bound on a book or the menu, right? But now it's the new luxury might be, how can you give me the access in the way that I want it? And if that means I want to text with you, that's a luxury to me. If that means that I want to have that menu in a leather bound book, that can be a luxury. So I think it's going to be at Park Hyatt, we say luxury is personal. And so as we continue to evolve, I think we'll explore new ways of meeting our guests where they are through these experiences that have have changed us. Well, you certainly have me excited about the future of travel. So absolute pleasure talking to you about this subject. Thank you so much for joining us. It's it's really been great talking to you. You got it, Bruce. Same here. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate you uh, identifying me, the girl with the, the leather jacket on the, the Cote d'Azur uh, <laughs> to be on your show. Travel does matter, Bruce, so I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. And now for the Wallen Wrap-Up. So great speaking with Crystal today and hearing her take on why travel matters. One thing that she and I definitely have in common is a love for spontaneous travel. When she was talking about, you know, going to a city and and picking a nice hotel and then from there just kind of setting out to explore and walking the streets. I love that. There's something just so liberating about being, you know, in a new city and having the freedom to walk around without plans, without a schedule. That concept is actually part of something that that I call the six elements of an extraordinary journey, which is, we'll, we'll deal with that on another day. That's a whole theory that, that we can dedicate an episode to. But I will say that my chat with Crystal hit on a number of those six elements, especially on the element of surprise. You know, I, for me and, and clearly for Crystal as well, unexpected experiences are a huge part of travel. And that ability, the, the ability, the flexibility to be spontaneous is key to opening up those kind of experience. Obviously, that's not just limited to cities or, or city travel. I remember I just, you know, one of a million examples, it was on a, a trip. I was, I was going to Rwanda to go gorilla trekking. And one afternoon, we, we, there was a small group of us, and we had just gone to this kind of very touristy, canned cultural performance, which was kind of horrible, actually. But Anyway, we were driving back to our lodge and, and we're, I mean, we're in the jungle. It's, it's very rural. And one of the guys in our group says, we need, we need to find a dirty bar. Now this guy, this guy is South African and, and dirty bar means something very different in South Africa than it would in the U S it's more like a dive bar. Right. And we found it. We found this like, you know, cinder block structure in the middle, you know, tiny village, maybe three buildings on this dirt road in the middle of the jungle. And we walked into one of them and sure enough, it was, it was a bar. And, and so a few of us, we, we go in and it's like just, you know, a dark room with dirt floors and a couple of locals hanging out, drinking beers. And, and we had a couple of beers and they were just like the best, coldest, best beer ever. We're, you know, sitting there telling, swapping stories about our gorilla trek that morning. But there was one woman who was with our group. She's a fantastic woman, Caroline Graham. If you're listening, it, it was Caroline Graham and she decided she wasn't going to go into the bar. She stayed outside with one of our guides. And anyways, we come out from this dark bar and this glaring afternoon light. And we see Carolyn and she's sitting, she's sitting there in the middle of the road, surrounded by about 20 kids. I don't know, like maybe from the age of like two to 14. 
And, and Carolyn has her sketch pad out and she's drawing pictures of these kids and giving them the, the pictures. And it was just this like, you know, first of all, the fact that we were even in this place in the first place. And then to see her surrounded by all these people and having this interaction and, and, and just all the kids laughing and we go up there and join them. And it was just this magical moment that would have never happened if we had planned it, right? The fact that it was unplanned and that was, you know, uncanned. I mean, that is the moment that we all remember and talk about today. It was, it's not seeing the gorillas. It was that beer in the dirty bar and, and Carolyn drawing the kids in the street. So, like Crystal Catamaraning in Cancun or, or, you know, walking aimlessly through Barcelona, remember, be spontaneous, stay flexible, and keep your mind and your plans open when you travel. I'd like to thank Crystal Venice Thomas for joining us today on Travel That Matters. For more information on Hyatt Hotels and some of the destinations that we talked about today, please check out our show notes or visit kurtco.com backslash travel that matters. The show is produced for Kurtco by AJ Mosley. Assistance by Monica Kelly. Music by Joey Salvia. I'm Bruce Wallen, and we will see you down the road.